We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We review a little bit from uh, from yesterday's slate, from, from the Monday night slate. Go through some... Results DB, take a look at some sharper player lineups, see see what how we can improve our game. Uh, take a little bit of look at, uh, we have a 15-game slate today with the one, like, what, second game of a doubleheader uh, type of thing. I don't think there's that much weather going on today. Well, there's weather going on, but just nothing that'll nothing that'll stop a baseball game and, uh, and answer your DFS strategy questions in the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. Hit that thumbs up button. Helps us out. First thing in the door, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see uh, I see Brian C., Jim Steele, J- Dave Spaggs, Suki Singh, Matt Mears, Jerome Lewis, Shannon Lambert, Zach Hobbs, Daniel Hutchins, Michael Dompier, Card Finch, Bacalips, Andrew Garcia. We got, we, got, we got them all. We got them all in here. Got Devin also producing the show in the chat as well with all the emojis. And, uh, and yesterday... Jim Steele says, I had too much cores. I fell for it. You know, I, when cores is chalky, I don't play it as much, as much. Yesterday, uh, I, play, I played the Super Knuckleball. I played a 150 in the, in the $5 Super Knuckleball. You'd figure that my, my two most exposed teams were the Reds and the Braves. They both put up 12 runs, and I still lost money. I still lost money, right? Because I didn't have enough coal. I played a lot of Montes, who uh, didn't get there with 10 points. Uh, and if I had more Montes and Gaussman than Cole or Miley. I still have plenty of Toussaint, uh, but I just uh, didn't have the right combinations, right? I had Cincinnati, Atlanta, and the Dodgers. The Dodgers didn't get there. The Dodgers lineup changed after lock. I'm playing a ton of the Dodgers, and then they released their lineup like 20 minutes after lock, and it's no Will Smith, no Corey Seager, no Cody Bellick. Well, this lineup sucks now. You got pool, pool holes and McKinney and guys in there. Now, I, I have to, it took me a half an hour just to, to change all my lineups uh, after that. Maybe I should have played less of the Dodgers then. Uh, and then I still play plenty of the Padres, but just not, not, as, not as much as the field. Uh, but we can see here, pitching-wise, I, I, people apparently didn't seem all that concerned that Cole was, wasn't going to pitch 100 pitches yesterday because people acted as if... Uh, Paying 10-9 for someone that's going to go 90 pitches was worth it. And they, and they got bailed out. And they got bailed out anyway. Still had nine strikeouts. Uh, so, so I don't know. I, was, I, I didn't have no cold, but I had significantly less than 42% of him. Uh, Gosman got killed in, the, in the, what, the sixth inning or whatever. He gave up three runs, so that, like, ruined his score. Uh, Tukey was a little shaky in the beginning, gave up two home runs, but then came back pretty well. Wade Miley got, got a, what, eight strikeouts, seven, eight strikeouts. Uh, then I wasn't expecting that. I know it's the Cubs. Uh, I, had about, I had about 20%. So, I mean, okay. So, it's not like I was dramatically different. 
But the Montas thing, right? I mean, a, a lot of sharper players like Nor- Neil Orfield need lunch money. The Colts, JBC, like Machis. Seems like more of a consensus that you know, Montas for 18% owned. I thought he would be a little bit lower. I thought he'd end up at like 14 or so. I didn't think Cole would be 42. I thought Cole would be like, yeah, maybe 36. I think Gosman and Cole would be about the same. I thought Tuki Toussaint would be more. I thought I thought he'd be 30 plus percent owned. That, that was, I mean, that was the pitching. And then I just sprinkled in a whole bunch of different other pitches. Right. I play, I played a lot of uh, Justin Fleming who did fine. He pitched a while. He only just only got two strikeouts. I mean, he got 11 points for like what? 6,500. But he was like kind of my, my cheap pitcher. And what I like to do on slates like this, where people are trying to get in these higher price pitchers is play more expensive stacks. That's why I, I chose the, you know, the Reds, the Braves and the Dodgers. The die with the Dodgers original, original, the projected lineup, not what ended up happening, because it's it's hard to play. It's hard to it was hard to even play something like Colin Gosman with Tuki Toussaint or Miley in those types of lineups. It just so happened that my, a lot of my Reds lineups had like Kyle Farmer and Eugenio Suarez, right? The, the key pieces in the Reds lineup that you needed was India, Barnhart, and Aquino, and it's not like I didn't have them. It's just that. I had a lot of farmer and Suarez and Votto, you know, mixing around, and that wasn't going to get it done in a large field GPP. And then for the Atlanta, I had a lot of, you know, more lineups with Soler and Riley in it. And Riley didn't have a bad game, but I mean, I think he had 11 points. Soler had like seven, but he needed Albies, Freeman, Duvall, Darno. I mean, I still had those types of lineups, just, just not all together, right? Having Cincinnati, Atlanta, and then having it with like Gaussman and Fleming and being like 25 points behind first place, like that type of lineup. So I still have plenty. We see here, I mean, some people went, went, took some Padres, but across the board, look at Tatis. Shortstop is like, I understand if you're paying, if you're paying up at shortstop, if you're building lineups and you have shortstop one-offs with Tatis, Okay, I, I get that. I still have plenty at Tatis for the shortstop position. Same for the Trevor Story, 13%. Okay, I get it. We play Cronenworth instead because the, the Tatis and, and Cronenworth are both eligible to just shortstop. So I, I get the, the, the I get the Padres. Were they overowned? I don't know. Like as a stack and as a whole, you got Frazier at 15, you got Tatis 29. Machado 18, Cronenworth 13, Frazier 15, Nola 12, Hosmer 11, Grissom 11, Myers is here somewhere, Myers 7. I mean, they were they, they were the most owned stack, but not like not as dramatically as you would have expected. The Rockies, I, the, I think the Rockies were overwhelmed. Connor Joe, 26%, of course, he gets there, right? The truck, the truck back gets there. The truck cheap guy. It's a leadoff home run in the beginning of the game. Crone, 15% down. He has a walk-off at the end. Story. Brendan Rodgers, 10%. Blackman, not so much. Where's Blackman? Blackman, 6%. So maybe, maybe not. As a five-man, maybe not his own with, the, with some of these single-digit owned pieces. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't really a standout. I mean, we yeah, Reds, I guess, right? Castellanos, 13. Suarez, 10. India, 9. The Braves, Riley, 7. Albie, 7. I think the Braves were under-owned. Then you have the, the, the Astros. Because they were cheaper. Brantley, Alvarez. See, it's like pieces... What, what ends up happening is that we have pieces of stacks that are fairly owned. But like as a five man, there's always like one or two guys in there that they're, they're not like Altuve was only 6%, even though, you know, two Astros guys were fairly chalky. You can say the same thing for the Yankees. I mean, like, and judge was 12%, but no one else, no one else was really owned. 
little bit more of a spread out night yesterday. I just thought the Padres would be a little bit more owned. So really, I think they I think they ended up being probably under owned. It doesn't matter that they didn't succeed. Who cares? I'm judging my play based on what what had I known, had I known that type of philosophy. Because we could project ownership all we want beforehand, but until we actually see it, be like, had I known that uh the red the the Reds went a little bit higher on than I thought, but I still I still would have played plenty of them in comparison to the Padres. But I didn't go so far off the board or anything. I guess the I guess the, I guess the the Dodgers were right. The I mean like Pollock, six point nine percent, Turner both Turners, twelve percent five percent. But it's hard to say if if, if the Dodgers were under owned because. Three, three of the better hitters just were in the lineup. So, if like, had I known that prior to seven oh five, I may not not have I may not have had as much of the Dodgers. I mean, I still probably would have been over on them, but <clears throat> I was playing them under the under the guise that their lineup would actually be from one from one to, one to eight be actually good. Not have Pujol stuck in the middle over there, playing Chris Taylor up in the lineup. Austin Barnes, who doesn't really do much. But it shows you that, I mean, I, I could have a ton of the Reds, a ton of the Braves. They both score 12 runs, and I still lose money. That's, that's the inevitability of top-heavy payout structure. You, you have to be nearly perfect, You're pretty much perfect. We go back to, I mean, the winning lineup was a mess. So good luck, good luck replicating that. Gray Poupon. See, here, here you go. Here's Cole Miley, Cincinnati five-man, Atlanta three-man. I mean, it's like I had lineups that looked like this, but not exactly like this. So I wouldn't have Cole here. I'd have Montes here. And I wouldn't have Aquino here. I'd have Castellanos, right? Like that. that that's what the lineup would look like. So the difference is the difference is twenty points there and another ten to fifteen points. There. I mean, yeah, you, you're down. All right, I could probably find. I could probably find my top one. Let's see, Glenn. Okay, you're three three eighty five, one eighty four. Right, the Atlanta five man, Darno, Freeman, Albies, Duval, Solaire, twelve, not bad. Right, and then then three one offs. Zimmer, good. Correa had a home run and Chapman had a home run. But look at my pitchers. Gosman, 18, Fleming, 11. I mean, if you looked at this lineup on a lot of other slates, like, this is a winning lineup. I got what I got out of, out of, out of all the players. Like, I mean, here's another lineup. Another Atlanta stack with Montes and Toussaint. Right. Atlanta stack with Solaire, but Brendan Rodgers, Josh Donaldson, Bradley, and I have a bunch of Bradley Zimmer one-offs. Do I have a Cincinnati stack up here? Here, here's a Cincinnati stack. Cole Gosman, okay, jam both of them in. Naquin Aquino, Farmer Suarez, which really didn't get there. Jonathan India. Then have Chirinos, Joe as a one-off, which I didn't have that much of Joe. And Will Myers as a one-off. And okay, that still didn't didn't get there. So I had a bu- I had a whole lot of lineups in this range. I mean, but uh not not the magical combination to get to the top. Right, and when you're playing 150, you're playing 150 lineups in a five dollar contest. That's 750 bucks. I mean, you'll need to you need to get some some type of lineup somewhere in the top 20, 30 ish, something, just to kind of even break even. Let alone make money. I mean, look look at look at the payout curve on this. Tenth place, a thousand bucks. First place, a hundred thousand bucks. The difference between first and third is ten percent. The difference between First and tenth is one percent. So you got to be aiming up there. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Dave Spag was trying to set up a team as a hundred percent as secondary stack, but it would not do it. 
I left all others untouched and put one team at 100%. What am I doing wrong? I have no idea. That should work. I don't know why you'd want a, a team as 100% secondary stat. Depend, it, I don't know. I don't know what the other settings you, you something in something in whatever build rules where you is conflicting with that. Jim Steele, hey, Blender, can you take us through your daily process? I, I've done that 7,000 times. Feel free to go, th go through pregame shows. My daily, find, get the teams that are less owned for, for their ceiling. Done. You're done. It's not complicated. I can make, I made 150 baseball. I, okay, this, this, is, this is how long it took me to make 150 baseball lineups for yesterday's Super Knuckleball. Seven minutes. That's it. That's it. Done. Seven minutes from start to finish. Okay. Which includes three minutes of time. Okay. Maybe it's a little bit because I had to do two iterations. Okay. 10 minutes, total of 10 minutes. And it takes like, it takes like two minutes in order for it to even generate 150 lineups. You select your, your, your I, I'm removing pitchers. That I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to play in my pool. I'm putting only in stack rules. Like only, click on the only in stacks button on like all the, all the hitters. Basically, I'm, you know, the only players that are not going to be in stacks are going to be like the power hitters on the teams. So I'll go through the, I'll go through every team. And he's like, you know, like, oh, if I'm, I'm not going to have a Jonathan Daza one-off, right? Trevor Story one off, but Daz is only in stacks. So I go through all the teams and do that, right? You can do that earlier. It doesn't even take you, you could do that earlier in the day, right? And then I'm playing now on a large slate, I'm playing five man stacks. I'm pr primarily playing five X, five, whatever. I get five threes, I get five, two ones, I get whatever. Then I go and in the stack, since I'm playing five man, I don't even care about secondary stack numbers. So I go to the stacks page and I, Choose how many of what stacks I need until it adds up to like 102. You could do it to 100, but sometimes it's a little bit too constraining on the optimizer. So if you want 150 lineups, you do it up to 100. Sometimes you'll get 147 lineups, right? You'll get stuck or something because it's trying to fit into, you know, a perfect number, 100. Like it's getting there and it's like, I can't, it's not going to be exact. So I give it a little bit of leeway. And then I go and I fill out, you know, 14%. Reds, 14% Braves, 14% Dodgers, 10% Padres. I go down until it adds, until whichever one adds up to 102. One Marlins stack, right, one, which ends up being like one or two in 150. You do all that. There you go. Press the button. You press the button, you build it. Then you see how it comes out with 150 lineups. I sort by team on the lineup screen. I see if anything's missing, right? Oh, I'm playing a lot of, a lot of the Braves, but I only have Freddie Freeman in three lineups. It's jamming in Gil Heredia instead. Like that type of thing. <coughs> so that's when I'd go through and go, Fred, Freddie Freeman is only in, <coughs> in 3%. <coughs> I put his minimum at 8%. Or I, I cap Heredia at 4 Right, instead of getting him, he's coming in 11% of my lineups. Like, no, screw that. I know I'm playing a pun and done on the Braves, but I'm bumping up Freeman and bumping down Heredia. So I get more of the better players. So I do that through the whole thing. And then you run it again. And then it's 7.04. And then you upload it. And you're playing more of the teams that have a higher ceiling in comparison to their ownership. You could use Slate IQ that we have on Roto Grinders to make general determinations of that. What are the chances that the top stack and how, how much are they owned? Are they under or over-owned? I'm going to play more of the under-owned teams that have high ceilings. You could be under, like the Marlins were under-owned yesterday. They also have very low ceilings. Doesn't mean you don't play any. I'm playing 150 lineups. So I'll, I'll play one or two Marlins stacks against a, a decently chalky Tuki Toussaint. Sure, okay, that's worth it. You could have decided to play eight, eight of the, okay, but just understand it's a low ceiling team. The Reds, the Braves, the Dodgers. Does, 
These, these are not bad teams. These are good hitting teams. Jesse Atfield, morning. Some slate site sports don't have ownership. How does that affect your levers and lineups? Or do you avoid altogether if there's no ownership? Or another way to calculate? Just I've showed this before. It's almost like people don't watch the show. Like there are, pro there are probably plenty of people in the chat right now that have watched the show since the beginning of the year and feel like it's on repeat, like every week and every other day. Because people just don't want to go back to previous shows. That people don't. I don't know. When I started, when I started playing, let, let me just put put things into perspective. I started playing in October 2015. I was just playing soft. Okay. About three months in, I I, I was trying to learn as much as I can. Now there, there there wasn't much soccer DFS content out then. But I was wanted to learn about the game. So you know what I did? I watched old rotor grinding shows they had game theory shows they had strategy shows not, not not like oh this is a slate from whatever like that that type of analysis but there were tons tons i mean tons hour i'm talking about tens if not hundreds of hours and you know what i did i watched it all watch i mean shows from from four years i mean just from 2012 podcasts I read uh, Jonathan Bales stuff and he, Bales was on a bunch of stuff on Roto-Grinders back way back when. So I just looked for anything that had him on it and I watched. Didn't matter. I didn't know idea what they were. Some basketball slate from 2013. I have no idea who these people are, who the players are or anything. Just gauging what, 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 what did it, how they're piecing stuff together. And Bales would talk about some stuff every once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's very similar. And very similar to poker. So that's how I put those concepts together. So just watch every, I mean, what it sounds, it sounds crazy. But if you want to learn, if you want to learn how to be a great DFS player, you know, you know, this show, start from the beginning. Watch this is typically in about 45 minutes to an hour long. And it's already been probably 150 of them. There you go. Now you now, now you know what 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 you're gonna be doing. You just start for last year. And there's probably more. There's probably 200, 300 hours of videos I've done. Go start with day one, and you watch it. Sounds sounds crazy, but you'll actually learn something. That's that's how I learn. That's the main reason why. Like I don't I don't like stupid questions because it's like the information is out there. What do you do if you have no ownership? Well, you could you could run, you could run the optimizer. You could run to get some sense. Like we have ownership here. Let's say Corbin Burns, thirty-seven uh, percent. We have we have it here, projected. Uh, this doesn't mean anything now. Ten thirty in the morning. Thirty-seven percent. What's the highest owned hitter? Twenty-five percent, if that may not even be that. Looks like 30 and 20. Let's just say 30 and 20. So here we go. We'll put unique players to, you know, some, some type of, yeah, some type of diversification. I'll put my hitter max exposure at 20, my pitcher max exposure at 30. And we're using the bat projections. You could get an aggregate of these projections. So you're using the bat, you're using the plate IQ, you're using projections from other places. Because other, Different projection systems would be slightly different. Obviously, depending on what they project as will affect the ownership. But if you want to get a sense, here's 300 lines. It's some amount of diversification. It's some cap on pitcher and hitter. I'm just going to run it. Run 300 lines. Now, it's better if you got an aggregate because you're not... It's not just the bat projection, because if it's just the bat projections, I mean, you'll probably get a little bit more of uh, I Noah. Well, he's going to be on. So, I mean, he projects well. Dylan Bundy, you could probably get a little bit more Dylan Bundy, not as much Alec Manoa, right? Just based on the point per dollar. You get more Bailey over. And Taylor Hearn, like Taylor Hearn is going to come up 
Like when this runs, Taylor Hearn is going to get like like 20 something percent. He's not going to be 20% up. Or 4,700. You'll see. You'll see that. Gutierrez, we have projected 4%, 5%. That may come up a little bit more. Manoa and Alcantara are going to be Marone. They have more raw points, but the bet doesn't like them as much, point per dollar wise. Doesn't project as well. So they're probably not going to come. They're probably going to come in like 10, 10% or less, if that. So you can just do this. Are you going to get the exact numbers? No, no, that's not the point. Oh, you actually get a bunch of them. Now. Oh, you actually get a bunch of stuff because it has to spend the money somewhere, right? Okay. So it gives you a sense of what the ownership, who's going to be owned. Like Connor Joe, Connor Joe, like we have him. Currently, we have Connor Joe at 6% owned. He's not going to be 6% owned. He's going to be 20 plus percent owned. He's still 2,800 leading off in course field. So even the ownership that we have currently is wrong. Trevor Story is not going to be 1%. Right? They, they, someone just run, ran the whatever, basic algorithm just to have a number there, just to put a number, to sum it up. Based on whatever, I don't know, what other, maybe the, the Rockies are really low somewhere else. Does PlayDeck you have them lower? But then you just get a sense. You'd be like, okay. I mean, this is not even running without any like any type of stacking, right? You look at this and go three hitter stacks. Okay, so Minnesota, because Minnesota is too cheap for their total. Minnesota, Colorado, maybe some Philadelphia, LA. Like in, you could see what the chalk's going to be. I mean, the bat X projections are not going to be like absurdly different from like around the industry. That may be higher in certain teams, higher in certain players, lower in certain teams, lower in certain players, but not. It's not going to be like dramatic. Right? You could look at the stack projections page. You could see what the ceilings. You could see the point per dollar right here. It's like okay, Pirates, Twins, Indians, Cubs, right? You could take a look at these ceilings and you go okay, the, the Cubs actually, Cubs, Phillies, Rockies, and see how many of the top stacks. So Astros. You see the twins, the twins show up a lot because they're the top point per dollar, according to the bats. They're going to be chalky. So there you go. The exact number? I don't necessarily care that much about the exact number as, as of this point until, you know, 6.30 before lock. Then these, these numbers will be, they'll be there. But on a slate that doesn't have ownership, or here, you could do this obviously you could also create your own ownership you know you could do you can even make it in excel simulate ownership based on the projection set that you're using with certain parameters you could do something like that but i mean not many people have the skills to do that and even then it's not it doesn't necessarily be all that accurate well all, all you need is to be directional direct okay you get a sense of who oh, who the chalk who's not going to be the chalk Right. And you take a look at this and you go, okay, Manoa, Alcantara, Bundy, Burns, Manoa. See, so basically get a plenty of Hearn, but Hearn's not going to be 15% owned. Right. Logan Webb will probably be more owned than 2% based on his past, his past game logs. So you could do something like this. Just go, okay, who shows up more, more often than not? Because other people are looking at the same thing that you are. You're getting a ton of Dylan Bundy here. Then other people are going to get a ton of Dylan Bundy also. That, so to me, that's that's one way. Oh, well, you don't have ownership. We'll just run, run. I would suggest an aggregate projection set where, you know, you you download the bat projections or whatever, and the plain IQ projections and projections from other places. And you average it out. And then you upload that back back, back to lineup HQ, and then you run the three hundred. You have to set a cap on something because we uh, like like Dylan Bundy's. If, if Dylan Bundy's not going to be one hundred percent owned, so if I didn't set a cap on these build rules, like I just get a hundred, just would give me like a, as much of the best point per dollar plays as possible. But obviously, that's not going to be ownership. So like, 
If only 30% of the people play this, then who else is going to be playing on the other line? So that, that, that's why you set those caps on a 15-game slate. Maybe no pitchers more than 30% and no hitters more than 20%. But you'll see here that, you know, setting it in like that, that, you know, like Connor Joe and like, where's Connor Joe? Where's Mr. Joe? Where did Joe go? Yeah, 20%, right. I mean, look at all these 20 percenters. I'll show you who's going to be playing. No, twins. We got twins. We got Cubs. We got some Phillies, some Padres, some Astro. I mean, there you go. There you get a sense. It's not complicated, right? Go through the YouTube chat. Scroll back, scroll back. Chris Schumacher. Hey, Jordan, can you talk through your thought process and strategy? Which you, I'll, I'll show you that this is not strategy. You use when after making high plus EV lineups, whether to go un, over or underway to chalk and star. It depends if they fit in the lineups. It's a matter of diversification, not strategy. I ended up yesterday. Yesterday, let's. I'll show you my 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 exposure. Let's see where, where are we go. I was there before. Ownership. Do we have all the? No, I've cleared it out. This is me. Okay. This was my exposure. No, this I, I don't like this. Okay. Yesterday, I had twenty two percent Tatis because he was the highest projected shortstop. Obviously, he's going to get into a lot of lineups. Right, but I still had 70% Cronenberg. I had 16% Mashah. I still have plenty of, plenty of Padres, but more so as one-offs than, than in stacks. So what am I going to do? That He projects so much better than everyone else. And if the shortstop in the stack that I'm playing, if I'm playing the Twins stack, well, how does the lineup look with Andrelton Simmons in it versus having a cheaper outfielder from having Jay Cave from the Twins and then Tatis at the shortstop spot with like a 20-point projection? It was an absurd projection yesterday. So I'm going to get a lot of this. If you don't want as much, then cap him or something. I don't even think I did cap Tatis. I capped Connor Joe. That's why you could see Connor Joe down at 12. I knew Connor Joe would be like 20 to 28, 30% owned. Like how much, how much Connor Joe do I want? Oh, well, he got there. It's like, okay, I cap him at 12. He will show up primarily in Rocky stacks. And as one up, I was one up in some lineups. I, I probably should have done less. Right, it would have been worse off of me, but I probably should have done less. That's why you go through everything. Like I had Duvall, I had Albies, but at these these rates, I was playing more Brave stacks, so they really weren't showing up as one-offs. Because if I say, if I say I want fourteen percent Braves, well, all of all of the Braves have to combine to make those five-man stacks, so you can tell. Who you have more as a one-off than anything else. Like the Cubs. It's not like, look at Chirinos. It's not like I had that many Cubs stacks. So I know that Chirinos is gonna is a one-off in a lot of lineups. Because I have 16, I have been 16% of my lineups, even though only 6% of my lineups are Cubs stacks. Justin Turner, right. Justin Turner. I had like 14% Dodger stacks. Well, he came in at 14%. So he's mostly just in Dodger stacks. It's because that's the percentage. Same for Castellano. A lot, a lot of these guys, I just in stacks. Like Freeman, I had to bump Freeman up in order to get more of them.
but I'm doing it based on diversification, not based on strategy. If I was doing it just based on strategy, you know what I would have had yesterday? 33% reds, 30, I would have had, no, I would have had uh, 25% reds, 25% braves, 25% dodgers and 25% positives. If I was doing just based on strategy, those are the only four teams I would have had in my entire player pool, right? And then, and, and I would have had uh, Cole, Miley, Montes, Toussaint, and Fleming. And that's it. That's all I would have had. Literally all. Five pitchers and four teams, and that's it. If it was just based on strategy. You know, but what's the problem there? Well, you're, that's very condensed, right? But you're not perfect. You put in, you put in $750, you know how much you get back? 30 bucks, right? Oh, one, oh, uh, a Minnesota staff goes off, you know, you know, Brandon Lowe, right? Yesterday with the Tampa Bay, right? Get two home runs. The Tampa stack actually did pretty well. I, I, there's no chance of me even having one of them, right? Because I have so many lineups that look the same, right? I'm playing the same four teams and five pitchers and just making as many combinations. Oh, this is a Reds Brave stack, but this has Heredia instead of Soler. But other than, other than that, the lineup looks the same. As the other line. Oh, switch. Miley for Tucson. Oh, okay. That's it. My lineups look very similar to one another. Oh, this is a this is a Padres Reds. This is a Padres Braves. This is a Padres Dodgers. But on this Padres Dodgers, which have expensive players, this lineup has Fleming, you know, Fleming Toussaint, right? So I have a lot of Fleming Toussaint lineups because those are the only five pitchers in my life in order to play expensive stacks. To play Machado and Tatis in a Padres stack. Toussaint and the two cheapest pitchers in my, so all my lineups are going to look the same, which, which is fine. If you don't mind the swings of that, you're just going to say, I'm, I'm playing 150 lineups and I don't mind if a lot of my lineups all look the same. They're one V ones. And if I'm right, I when I take down half of the, I take down first, third, eighth, 10th, you know, you see it's scattered all because they're all, because they look very so close to one another. So yeah, you get those once in a blue moon, right? When, when you do win, you may win a lot, a lot, a lot, because you're taking multiple pieces of the prize pool up top. But most of the time, you're going to, 95 plus percent of the time, you're going to be sitting going, you know, I turned 750 into $120, Right? Turn 750 into 100 bucks. 150 bucks. I'm going to lose $600 every slate doing this like this until I win one. And it has to be first place. And if I don't win first place for 100,000, you're going to, you're going to lose, you're going to lose 600, picture $600 a day for what? 150, 100, you know, you're going to be, you'll, you'll lose uh, 75 to $90,000 on this push list. If you don't hit first place, and if you hit first place, that's a hundred thousand dollars. And now you've made twenty five grand. You can you can do it that, way. or you could choose to be more diversified, because baseball is high variance. That sports are higher variance. I could say these are the four teams that that I believe are the underowned the most, but I still there's still ways to make lineups with overowned. There's still the Pirates could put up 12 runs today. They could. It's a very low likelihood, but what does it hurt me for diversification stake to have two lineups like this, right? So you play a Pirates five-man, and then your one-offs are from Atlanta, Cincinnati, San Diego, and the Dodgers, right? Your main core teams or something. And the main pitchers, right? When you're playing the Pirates stack, you don't have to worry about, you know, well, I could, I could play. I could play a chalky Gosman or a Cole in that lineup. Sure, yeah, and he could afford to. The Pirates are cheap. I'm not. Am I going to play 50 of that lineup? Well, if I think the Pirates are so absurdly underowned that you should be, you could choose to. But that's what I mean. It's not strategy. This is we're all talking about diversification. Because I'm still making single entry. I'm hand building single entry three max type lineups where I'm. That's I make. You know what I did yesterday. I played four single entry lineups. I play, you know, like or mid stakes. Like I'll play the eighty-eight dollar mid stakes. I'll play the one twenty-one. I'll play the two fifty ball four. Like it's four max, but I'm not playing four lineups. I'm just playing one lineup. 
So I played four lineups yesterday into those. And then one fit, my 150 set is what I use lineup HQ for. So you know, you know what those four lineups were? There were five band stacks. One was the Reds, one with the Braves, one with the Dodgers, one with the Padres. I mean, literally what I just said. I mean, and then fitting whatever I can around the rest of them. I hope probably a three-man. I think one of them was, was one of those stacks and an Oakland, because I like Gomes was cheap as a catcher. I think one was Oakland, one was the Cubs. So you got to find, find a cheap. And then I had like two Fleming, uh, two of them were Fleming lineups. So I was able to fit in, you know, Cincinnati plus the Dodgers, you know, like the, that combined. I think I had Houston in one of them. Houston, maybe Cleveland. I don't know. Because you had to find a cheap, cheap team that had the three spots that, that fit in with that. That's what I'm doing for strategy already. But outside of that, I'm not 150 lineups. I'm still under, I'm, I still want to be diversified, not strategically, just bankroll management wise. The more diversification you have, just like in the stock market. You don't make as much when, when your stocks go up, but also you have some stocks go up, some stocks go down, some stuff goes up, some stocks go down, right? So you're, you could just put it all in, put it all into one, you know, risky stock. And if it goes up, you know, 120% over the next three years, that's brilliant, but it could also it could go down. You lose the, you could lose 80% of your money. You put some of your money into that. But you also put some money into the S and P five hundred or some you know index fund or something that aren't going to aren't going to be as 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 volatile. When one goes up, the other goes down, and you, you maybe over the course of a year you you make six to eight percent. And okay, I'll take that. You're reducing your you're reducing your ROI for the sake of stability. The sake of lack of volatility. So that's why when we take when we took when we take a look at 150 maxers, like not many of them, just like say I'm focusing on like I'm building a core and then building around it. You're not going to see much of that. Some are more than others. Someone like Ricky D tends to build more condensed. Someone like Petty Theft, a lot of times in basketball, much more condensed, but the swings are massive. These are people that could have swings in the course of a month or two of multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, at the end of it, they're up. But do you want these swings? That's not a matter of strategy. That's just a matter of diversification. So I could take a look at a slate and go, the like the Indians or the Twins yesterday or the Astros. I thought we we're going to be overowned. Did they end up overowned? Maybe the Astros did. That doesn't mean I don't play them. Doesn't I don't play much of them? But they still they they still had decently high ceilings. I mean, I think Houston was four and Cleveland was five on the entire slate, according to the ceiling and bat in the bat projections. Oh, they're overowned. I can't play them at all. Well, if I was on well, when I'm playing four lineups, I'm not. Right and four. Well, now yeah, now I have to make choice. Okay, I have four lineups. Who am I choosing to play? Well, I chose my four teams. I'm done. And if Houston, if Houston puts up 15 runs today, then I lose. Okay, so be it. In those four lineups, well, I'm playing 150 lineups. So in my in my Houston lineups, which I believe are over owned, I need to be more contrarian. So in those lineups, they'll those will tend to have, you know, it'll be Houston plus. The, the, the Mets against Gosman and that lineup with Cole and Fleming. It's like, okay, because make now I make I make up for the fact that I'm it's an, it's a negative leverage stack, but now I fit that uh, much more under own pieces around, much more contrarian around. I make up for that in that one lineup. But am I playing 10 of that lineup? No. If I was if I was only playing 20 lineups. How much diversification can I get in 20 lines? You could choose to try to get as many. I'll play 20, 25, man, 20 different teams. You, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So when people ask, I'll play 20 lines, how many teams should I play? There's no answer to that question. 
play plus EV lineups. You can play 20. You could have, you, but in 20 lineups, I could have played 20 red stacks. I could have played 20 brain stacks. I could have, but it comes down to what's your risk tolerance when it comes to diversification. I play to, if I play 20 red stacks and the reds get shut out, I lose, you lose all your money. If you're fine with that and you do that on every, you do that every day, knowing that 90% of the time you're going to lose, all, you're literally whatever money you put in, you get zero back, right? If it's the, what, the $4 20 max or something, $3 20 max, whatever it is, put in 80 bucks. And when you do that, when I'm going to play one stack at all my lineups, okay, well, a lot of days you're going to put in 80 and get back six bucks. Most days, most days are going to be that. And when you do win, it, your lineups are going to look very similar. You're going to come in, oh, I came in 10th and 14th and 22nd, which is fine. And that may only happen, I don't know, four or five times a year, a season. So you will, are you willing to lose 70 bucks on every slate? 70 out of 80 bucks on every single slate for the three to five times that you have a chance you're up there. If, if you're fine with that, if you're, if you don't, right. 80, 80 bucks. Let's say, let's say you, you lose 60 bucks on the slate playing $80 and you'll, and you lose it, uh, you know, 120. I mean, do you mind having a downswing of $10,000? Six to $8,000. Be like, hell no. Well then be more diversified. So you don't have those swings. So instead of playing 20 of all of one stack, go, let me play the second best stack that I think also. And maybe instead of doing 10, 10 and 10, you do 15 and five. You go, okay, now I get a little bit more diversification. That's still not that much because you're playing only to like, the Yankees go off and you don't have them. Well, you're dead, right? You lost money. You're going to lose most of your money. You go, well, maybe I should have a Yankee stack. Well, you could have one Yankee stack. You could have three, you could have two. And it just comes down to just play plus EV lineups and your diversification is up to your risk tolerance. I tend to be more diversified. Like I said, I had, I had, I had two Marlins stacks. I had seven Pirates lineups yesterday. I still had Rockets. I thought the Rockies were overrun, yet I still had like, I think five or six lineups with full five-man Rocky stacks. Because baseball is highly varied. I'm going to have more. When I said, when I said uh, I had the Reds, the Braves, and the Dodgers, like out of 150 lineups, like that's like 14%. Those are my most exposed teams, right? Those four teams that I mentioned, that only made up half my lineups. That all, all those four teams made up half my lineups. The other half aren't those four teams. But in comparison, I, I had more red stacks, more brave stacks, more Dodger stacks, more Padre stacks in my portfolio than any other team. Because how many, there was 10 games yesterday. There's 20 teams to choose from. So I have four teams of five-man stacks that made up 50% of my lineups. That's pretty, he that's pretty heavy exposure. That's like having uh, four stocks in your portfolio that make up 50%, 50% of the, the, the equity. The other 50% could be, who knows? You could have 80 other stocks. Now, when those stocks change and you only have 1% of them, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't give you much money. They go, oh, that stock went up 10% this year. Yeah, but it's, it's only 0.8% of my portfolio. So it's not going to mean that much. But when one of the bigger exposed stocks goes up or down, yeah, then, then my portfolio goes you know, like that. That's all a matter of risk tolerance. There's no strategy. There's no strategy to how many teams or what percent of how do you have, do you go over the field or under the field? None of that matters. Under the field and over the field, I'm, it's just a descriptive term to represent how many more or less of my lineups that I have somewhere. So when I said that I went over the field on Montes, it's not because I, I it's not because I looked and said, well, Montes is going to be 18% owned. So I want 30, I want twice that. Like, no, it just, I think Montes is under-owned for his ownership projection. 
is more of a shot at beating out Cole and Gosman for twice as little ownership. I want him in more of my lineups. That's it. That's all I, I, I want him in more of my lineups. I want Cole in less of my lineups. I still got like 30% Garrett Cole. I didn't X him out or anything. I didn't set a cap at 20 or 10. I could have. All I wanted was more months. And wherever he fit, he fit. I could have, I could have said, I want 70% Montes in, in, in my portfolio. I could have. How much, how, how much do I, how much do I want? How much risk do I want to take on? Do I want to just, I could X out colon lock button Montes. I could, that would be the ultimate amount of, that the most amount of risk. But you're wrong, all your lineups are terrible. If you're right, great. All your lineups are in good shape. Doesn't mean you're going to win anything. Just one spot. So when it comes to that, it's like, like I said, if it, if it was just about strategy, I would have X'd out Cole yesterday and had 100% Frankie Mike. It was just about strategy. And that's kind of what my four single entry lineups look like. Gaussman, Montes, Fleming, Toussaint. That's what it looked like. In those contests, I'm just going based on strategy. My four lineups, I'm going to play the bet. I'm going to play the highest EV lineups that I think. Knowing that I'm also going to have 150 set with a whole bunch of stuff in it. All over the place. How diversified I want to get is just depending on the risk that you want to take on. People would say that about stocks also, stock portfolio as well. How many stocks? It's like asking a, a, a Financial advisor, how many stocks should I buy? Like, what is, what is that? There's no number. How much risk do you want to take? That's it. That's all that matters. Okay, let's see. Go through the check. Go through the old chat. Metal Alloy 419, thanks for the soccer breakdown last week. I'm trying to dabble in EPL this season. Are you aware of any site that breaks down the various set piece takers for each EPL club? If you sign up to Roto Grinders Premium, Roto Grinders Premium, click $10 to get $10 off in your first month by clicking on the link in the description. And lineup HQ, the Sean and, and Alex, they always list the set pieces on every slide. Set piece takers. There are tags on lineup HQ. So if you're playing EPL, like you'll get used to it. There's only 20 teams. And it also depends on who's on the field, who's sharing, who could be, who, who knows. But yes, I'd sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. And on every slate, you'll, they'll be tagged in lineup HQ. Going through, I go, go through. I, I, I talk for so long that I have to scroll through and see what the hell's going on. Doug Montgomery, I've been having problems deciding what teams to stack in single entry and three max on FanDuel. I know you've said best possible lineups, assigning teams and fading high owned teams, whichever, whatever you think is the best. In single entry and three max, okay. I have no problem being contrarian. It's more beneficial, okay? It seems counterintuitive, but it's not. Like in, in, in my single entries, the, like I had no problem having no Padres. Like that, that, that wasn't hard to do. I had, I had no problem having no Cole. That, that's the easy, but to me, that's the easy. That's easy. That's easy peasy. I didn't have Connor Joe as a one-off in single entry. Yeah, I didn't do well, obviously, because he had a leadoff home run. Connor Joe, I think, in the in the 121 was like 42% owned or something on a 10-game slate. So to me, that's easy. That's easy. Don't play him. Connor Joe is 28% in the large field GPP. That's still over-owned, but not as drastically over-owned. Connor Joe puts up a zero that kills 44% of the lineups. On a 10-game slate, so X amount. It's the, that's the easy part. Having no, having none of the top stat, I mean, that's the easy part. 
So like the deciding what teams that like the number one thing you should be doing is find figuring out which which but who you're not playing. Because once you figure out who you're not playing, then everything else is easy because you can play whoever you want after that. You have to worry about well, should I do this or should I? no? It's like, dude, I'm fading the fifty percent on this and the forty percent on that. It's like at the end of the day, run lineup HQ and put, put a four four on Fanduel or four three one or something that projects the best that doesn't have those two and that that would be fine you could do whatever you want at that point to me that's the easiest way to play in single entry i'm I'm not necessarily even rooting for the my team to do well i'm rooting for the chalk to fail the chalk fails then i don't need to score as much right if i'm i'm playing if i'm playing uh i'm playing in in single entry if i'm playing a low-owned you know dodger stack or something I know the Padres are mega owned and Cole is mega owned. Like, do I need the Dodgers to put up 10 runs today? No, I need the Dodgers to put up six runs and the Padres and Cole. Fit. Right. I don't need as many points because so many, so many of the lineups are going to be dead with zeros or low scores. FanDuel single entry. You have a one-off in a four, three, one projecting for one more point than the fourth man in a 4-4, but it doubled the ownership. You go 4-3-1 for projection or the contrarian correlation. I'm most likely going to go, I'm, I'm not going to play the higher own guy for just one point in projection. I double the ownership, that's probably not worth it. If I have a choice, but uh, we're, now we're splitting hairs here. A lot of times it doesn't matter. A lot of times both lineups are fine. But mathematically, You'd, you'd rather play the lower own person if they, you're only giving up one point. If you double the, you get half the ownership for only one point of projection in a baseball lineup where like the median is going to be like 120 or something. I mean, that's 100 even. I mean, you're giving up 1% of the total lineup projection to remove uh, what your ownership in that lineup would probably be around 100 also to get 10% of the ownership gone. To me, that's an easy if given that choice, but probably both lineups are plus EV, one slightly higher, right? But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, see, these are the types of things that I wouldn't like beat my head over. Play whichever one you want. Baseballs, high variance. You want to go for the, if you want to have the slightly higher projection or you want the more contrarian correlation, but if you're at that point, you're, already, you're, you're probably already a profitable player. Like that decision isn't going to make or break you. And that's what people do. They focus on so many decisions that don't matter that much. I'm not saying that they don't matter at all. But they don't matter as much. I focus on the decisions that matter the most. And when it comes down to decisions that barely matter at all, you just close your eyes, flip a coin at that point. What does it matter? Going through, Jesus, a lot of chatting. A lot of chatting. People are talking amongst themselves. Oh, good, great. That's what I just come here. I won't even say anything and let everyone else let everyone else talk about it. Okay, they're talking amongst themselves in the YouTube chat. So hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Did we talk about today's slate now? Because we never do, right? We get the comments on the YouTube later, like, uh, didn't talk about anything about today's slate. It's like, it's a strategy show. If people asked about today's slate, maybe we talk about it, right? If we Let's go through some lineups or go through something. But I mean, we also, it's a 15 game slate. We got, we got, what? No, we got, oh, great. We got, oh, this is the first game. The Red Sox Yankees first game. We don't get any lineups. Are we even sure who's pitching for some of these teams? Who's pitching for the, who's, is, is Strom pitching for the Padres today? Who knows? Who knows what's going on? So like, it's hard to even, even discuss that type of stuff. Like we didn't even know that that guy for the Dodgers was even going to be on the major league roster until like an hour before the game. The Jackson guy who came in for the bulk, bulk of the work after, after whatever rule came in. We don't even know. So what, what, what can we talk about? But we, we, we showed some stuff, lineup HQ, anything, anything like that. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live, we got grinders live. That's, that's actual uh, today's slate analysis because it's later. It's, uh, we, we'll know stuff. 
The Grinders Live is coming up later today. Crunch time for premium members. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description for $10 off your first month. And, uh, and we'll go over this 15-game slate tomorrow and uh, answer your DFS strategy questions. As I always do, from uh, from, uh, at, uh, from, from my, Monday through Friday. Yeah, I have to get the days right. Monday through Friday, typically, at 11 o'clock Eastern. For the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.